there's so much of your artwork that basically represents. You need to say play. I know. Hold on, Kenny. All right, I'll wait. Is you got? Are we ready? Oh. Uh. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. That's the intro. <laughs> intro. Have it. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Um, We've (laughs) talked about this for a little while now uh, at the first art show that I went to of yours or where you had some of your artwork uh, Hmm. on display. And I got to talk to you about some of the meaning behind, you know, some of the the artwork. And that really opened it up for me. I mean, I've been able to appreciate, you know, things that I've seen and, oh, that's, that's really cool. I wonder what that means or whatever. But to have you really break it down. Uh, where your mental state was, was really uh, impacting and kind of changing. Maybe find much, much more appreciation for it. And since that time we've talked, now you have a small little spot here to start building some things, maybe out of some uh, recycled or, you know, waste material. And yeah, I just want to talk to you more about where you're coming from with some of your artwork. And we have a couple of pieces here. Maybe you can explain some of those to us uh, further. And I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, I'm happy to tell you about them. A lot of times people don't ask, so if you want to know, I'm happy to share. All right. Uh, Well, just give us some of your background first, if you could. Kind of what uh, your artistic background, where'd that go? Um, I don't know that I had an artistic background. I don't think that I even, like, was involved with the arts at all, like, through my adolescence or anything. It kind of came to me later in life in an emotional sense and like I don't know I was just really drawn to it in my 20s actually and decided to go to art school because of Jim Wilson and he like I actually just took it as an elective course or whatever and had to sketch in his class and he walked up by me and was like you can draw and I didn't really know or whatever and he I was like oh okay and he just kept pushing on me he was like no you need to be an art student like, that's what you are. You just don't know it. You haven't been told that. That's what you are. And I'd just be like, oh, whatever. I'm over here in finance, okay? Leave me alone. I'm doing the finance thing. I'm doing, like, the normal thing that, like, is going to get me the money and get me a job. And I'm going to have a nice home with the siding and all the things. And, and he was like, no, you're an art student. So, anyways, uh, then that happened when I became an art student. And it was uh, the best decision ever. And um, then I, you know, finished at Mac, took as many courses as I could, got on at UMSL. Oh, I actually applied to KCA, KCAI and got a $51,000 scholarship and decided I couldn't afford the rest of it still, even with the scholarship, and decided to just go to UMSL and had gotten recommendations from some other um, artists, retired artists, retired teaching teachers in the area that kind of highly recommended the school because it's a research facility and um, also um, had a really large print facility in there and that's what I was interested in was printmaking. Okay and then where did you kind of get started with some of like your first prints? What what did you find the topics that were the most inspiring um, that you were basically forced to you know express that? In my prints, um, 
Well, I was always kind of t- told like you want to make things about what you know or what you what is closest to you, and I guess I read. I was really impacted by like people like Jane Goodall. I um, read a lot of her books. Um, Linda Hogan, um, the book Dwellings. <clears throat> Um, Michael Pollan within the food industry, you know, just people like that, that I read material of, and they just kind of helped shaped my views pretty solidly and decided that I wanted to make art about, like, you know, a better world or, you know, caring about nature more or getting away from the more materialistic side of things and, like, being able to see the overconsumption for what it is and that we don't need it, and we're just, like, filling ourself with more things that don't matter and that we don't really want. We just think we do. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what is every piece of your artwork that I have seen um, in the conversations that we have. It's basically been about society's relationship with this planet that we live on, the consumption of the resources or how we treat ourselves and how we interact with nature. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have three pieces of artwork around us right now. We have this one here with trees and, and lungs. We have one behind us that talks more about like the food industry. Uh, and then we have this one over here that is from a, a book. Mm-hmm. I, and this is one of the authors that you talked about. So how old is this piece? Let's talk about, can we talk about this one for a minute? Sure. Why not? Okay. Tell, let's go through this. Tell us about this. Well, that was a book um, called Dwellings by Linda Hogan. And she's um, an indigenous woman, and she just kind of, in this book, just talks about the the ways that they lived and the meaning behind nature and, like, the connectivity of all things and everything having a purpose and an equal balance and um, how we uh, as humans have kind of lost sight of our balance in things and that things aren't... Um, for us necessarily to use and and be power over, but to exist, you know, equally within. And um, there was, like, different chapters, and each chapter had, like, a particular animal, and then there would be, like, a message and a story about the animal and, like, what that symbolized for them. And so there was just a lot of really, really good meaning. And she's such a poet about everything that she says, too. Like, Like, each sentence is just like oh that was so beautiful like and every sentence is like that and it's like wow she's just an amazing writer um so she really brought you into the feeling of it all and just really hit me so I was like I'm gonna make a visual that represented like what she stands for because I stand for that you know and yeah all right about how everything's connected uh, yeah that's a great story of the book and now I want to read it you should. It's really good. It's not very big either. It's pretty it's yeah. easy read. Something I just noticed about this. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I've looked at this a couple of times, but I didn't notice it actually until we uh, picked it up and moved it, that it looks like it's one image or, or one uh, sketch or drawing or, or however, uh, but it's actually layers of multiple different things. And actually, I thought it was cut when I first looked at it. Um what are why is it in layers how did that happen or or why what does that mean um well because of the book like i feel like the main meaning of the book was about how every we think everything is all very separate but really it's all very one 
and the idea of like how a picture works sometimes or image making is like you want it to unify and be able to draw all these different elements together and unify it as one and make it work and like you know nature works like that also and so I was just uh drew them all separately and then the ideas that I was having and then cut them out and then kind of kept playing with them uh, on one area and tried to figure out how to connect them in a way to where it looked like they were already actually connected to put it back all together as one like a puzzle. Because it definitely does not look like it was cut and done separate and then put together. I mean, it looks like it was done all at one time, uh, you know, with the way that it is. So that's, that's incredible. And then the symbolism with that, that everything is separate, but yet it's actually all connected. You can't have, you can't have an eagle without the snakes, you know, right. and you can't have the snakes without, you know, the rats. And if the, you pull the string and, over here, it's going to be pulled from somewhere. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, and I think you represented that, you know, beautifully here. And you even have uh, quotes on, on, on this board. I know it's a little too far away to read, but one of them that we talked about when we were getting it was how nature interacted. Do you remember that quote, or, or can we read that one real quick? Yeah. Would you like me to go over there to it and read it? Can I get uh, up? Yeah. I'm going to get up. Come over here and read your quote. Um, so I just took some excerpts out of like her book, and um, one of them says, There is a way that nature speaks, that land speaks. Most of the time, we are simply not patient enough, quiet enough to pay attention to the story. Um, and then there's another that says, the faces turned out of the earth, all part of the one mask of many worn by the great face behind. To have that there, that goes right in line with so much of the stuff that, that I've been kind of saying and searching for is that nature's the perfect recycler. Um, when we got here and started consuming the earth's resources, um, there was already a system for everything. Everything that was on the surface of the earth was used. It had a life cycle and it had a, a waste, you know, when it be, when a tree fell over, it became waste, right? <clears throat> as far as it wasn't producing oxygen anymore, it wasn't producing the housing for, you know, the, um, the birds and the other animals or, you know, whatever. So it completely changed, but it still had value, it had complete and total value still to the forest that it, you know, left and basically became waste of. Once it fell down, um, the mycelium in there started to help break it down and then other bugs became in and were able to break it down, created that dead log into food for the rest of the forest to grow and for, you know, the next years and generations to come of, you know, the next plants or trees that were going to grow in its place. And that's what, you know, those quotes kind of represented and they just talk about that. The waste industry has gotten so far away from that. We're not recycling our stuff. Like yeah. we're not... Like you're saying, like, nature has this way of, like, recycling. It's It has what it needs, and it can do with what it needs to do. But we aren't doing that part as we our We change part. the system. Like, yeah, like, we We're, kind of come in and... Yeah, we like, I picture it as, like, a circle. And that's where, like, the Freedom From Waste logo that comes with the stump and then the little sapling coming out um, is that I believe that that's how we should recycle, that everything new should come from the old. So a sapling comes out of a dead tree, um, and then the circle, the resource, uh, life cycle. 
is there. And we took that system and we're taking natural resources that are in a circle, um, that are in a closed loop system, and we're pulling pieces out. We're not putting anything back in its place. Once we pull those resources out, then we're shipping them to a landfill somewhere and basically blocking the earth from taking those products back. So we're we're breaking the system by pulling resources out and not putting them back in. And we're creating a way that they can never go back in. And we have to change that or else there's not going to be resources on the front side. We're not going to be able to pull, you know, any more raw resources. Yeah. Also, very scary. yeah. And not only that, but the spot that we have or the way that we have decided for the last 200 and something years of handling our waste, of landfilling them, we're almost out of landfill space. We have 25, 50 years left in this country. And there's other countries. I just read uh, a story, I guess a week or two weeks ago, about the UK. They have uh, 12 years left. And they said in 12 years, the, their version of the EPA came out and said, we have 12 years. In 12 years, we have to be fully sustainable with our resources or else everything you buy, you live with in your home for the rest of your life. There is no trash pickup. There is no away. Everything you bring into There's your no home is going to stay there forever. There is no away. And I, don't know if, I don't know if people really understand the reality of that. I, they don't. And I think that now we're looking at um, not only is the front side of resource pooling becoming a problem where resources are getting harder and harder to retrieve uh, because of how few of them there actually are. But we're also pooling them at a rate that the earth cannot recycle them or produce new uh, resources from us to pull from. So I don't know if you ever heard of what's called Earth Overshoot Day. And what that is, is our resource consumption versus nature's resource generation. Um, so when is the day that we use an entire year's worth of resources versus when Mother Nature can uh, basically replenish that stock? And right now, or last year, we were at August, it was the first week of August, like August 2nd, I think, um, that by August 2nd, as humanity has used all of the resources that this earth is going to produce for that year, they started tracking this back in 1986. In 1986, it was in December. And since then, so since 1986, we have taken our earth overshoot day from late December all the way into August, and it keeps moving up by days every year. You would think as we got older and matured more as a species, we would actually push the state back and we'd be giving things back to basically what gives us you would think. life. And instead, we keep, we're consuming more and more and more, and we're taking from our future generations. It's there's going to be a time and it's not that far away mm. where they're not going to be able to have plastic bottles and cups because there's not going to be that raw material to be able to make those things. So unless we get 100 percent efficient at recycling these products, then a couple generations from now, they're not even going to have them. And it's it's not we're not talking about 10 or 15 generations away. We're talking like two, you know, and that's it. Um, I don't even know if we would know what to think about a world without plastic right now. Right. And as I drink, you know, I don't like Yeah, and that was something else. Me and you both have I one have a, time. I have a yeah. We, well, we that's both why have I'm going to make I'm going to make something t- yelling at myself. I'm going to make a sculpture in upstairs. Yeah. 
empathies. Nobody's perfect, but we have mm-hmm. to take the steps to, you know, to kind of get there. Um, I did the same thing with that exact same coffee shop. Go there regularly, pick up a coffee, drink it, you know, and then and then trash it. Now, my water bottle I've had for a couple of years um, and carry that around, use it every day. Mm-hmm. But just this week, I actually went out and bought a coffee cup, a reusable coffee cup. And I've used that every day. You know, I just take it in. They fill they make the coffee behind the counter with one of their cups and uh, a reusable one and then pour it into mine that way there's no cross contamination or anything and they get to make theirs and their stuff without can you know without my stuff going back behind the counter oh, yeah. then I get it uh, and then they can you know clean it and just reuse it uh, so that way it, it really helps uh, you know close that loop for them they don't generate the waste inside of their you know business and I'm not taking any waste out of there so I can go there get my coffee not have the environmental, you know, feel bad of it. And yeah. we don't generate the waste. Wish we could go to the grocery store like that too. Like you're going to get, like, I don't really eat cereal, but like, you know, if people ate cereal, you could just go into the pool of thing instead and some of taking the box. Right. And some stores are getting better with that where you can take your, um, you know, own containers in there and just refill them, whether that be your juice or your milk or whatever, um, you know, or your cereal, coffee, dry goods. Um, I have an idea for a video that I want to shoot where I actually, I want to go shopping here locally and like, you know, just go to one of the big box stores, Walmart, Schnucks, something like that and buy, you know, a, a cart full of stuff and depackage all of it and show how much packaging is here just to be able to buy the mm-hmm. products that I want to buy um, and create that visual for people and, and show that experience. And then what I want to do is go to, Smaller businesses, mom and pops or local farms. We have a lot of local farms around here that have some fantastic products uh, and, a, and a long product line. So go shopping locally with all of these same things. Give the addresses out of, of what I bought and, and that kind of stuff. And then bring it back and compare the packaging ratio uh, that I have. Show that, you know, even in our small town, there is there are ways that we can go shopping and create Westlake. West... <laughs> <laughs> less, waste less waste than, you know, different, just going to a different store. I think that's great too, because it is like people want to be shown. It's like, they're fine with doing something. I'm fine with doing things, but I just, yeah, just being able to have that direction. People have a hard time sometimes of finding, they don't want to do the research necessarily themselves. If you gave them a solution, they would, they would uh, yeah. follow that. But they're not, they want to make the change, but they're not willing to find the solution themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this podcast and with our YouTube channel um, and also our website, we do plan to offer more of those things to where we could give people the resources. You know, so show them actually, here's how this works. You can go to, you know, the Mennonite store and buy these things that are locally made, that are grown here, that are uh, non packaged, you know, and reuse shopping bags. And, and show just even at a small scale that we can do this even in our small town where we don't think we have these options. They're here. Yeah. You just got to look for them. You know, and if we can just show people the options, I think that they'll start using them. I agree. I don't see any reason why anybody wouldn't be on board or excited about it or want to do it. Right. Yeah. What? Nothing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an easy conversation, you know. I think. Yeah. What, uh, to get back to some of the art world here, 
Um, how does this consumption uh, problem or the waste that we generate or single-use items, have you seen much of a display or a conversation in the art world? Has that, has that inspired artwork, I guess? Yeah, I think there's quite a few artists that like comment on it, either like by just doing paintings of it. Like there's an artist named Lisa Sanditz and she's always commenting about like our overconsumption so much and her work is really great. Um, um, but then there's also people that use the actual waste materials. Um, I don't have all the names, but there is um, a couple uh, Tim Noble and Sue Webster, they'll like take actual like heaps of trash and they strategically place them to where when a light is shown behind them, that a shadow is cast on the wall showing like people smoking their cigarettes and drinking their wine and like, you know, doing these things. Um, but it's coming from this pile of waste that's just been set in a certain way to kind of, I guess, glamorize our lifestyle of the shadow on the wall, but really what's really there is all of this garbage that produced the niceties that you've got that you just kind of forget about, you know? Right. But that's really, like, the foundation of it all. So there's, like, there's definitely some interesting artists to look at. There's, um, there's a, an artist in St. Louis named Basil Kincaid. He works with uh, reclaimed materials a lot. He's com commenting on that and always like out searching the streets for just things that people just throw away or those are perfectly good things that are just out there, you know? Yeah. There's, <clears throat> there's, there's so much when I have seen, I actually, I've seen the people with the shadows and the, the piles of waste. I've seen that and that was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Kincaid guy, I've seen some of his work with what look like like quilts or fabrics. He does quilts. He, yeah. he does a mix of things, but he's predominantly in the quilt game. Yeah, and a lot of that came from, he just posted something I think last week that I read, and it was talking about how finding fabrics and finding materials and then sewing them together and, and making a big thing. And he, he you know, talked about how, what that kind of meant for him. Yeah, and, with and his just, ancestors and yeah. things. Yeah. Or, or like... um sorry go uh like when he he actually asked for uh his fans to send him material of materials they have so if he's got fans like i don't know on the other side of the country or whatever so they mail him these fabrics or fabrics here or whatever and he's able to make a quilt out of all of them and so he's saying like you know we're all connected still he's kind of like saying like we're all doing this together sort of you know so there's this comment still there that's really cool the materials because he's integrating his fans into the artwork yeah and, it's awesome <laughs> and still preserving you know that those materials and giving those things a new life mm -hmm. and just bringing attention to how much material is out there yeah and then commenting also with the idea of the quilts of like you know past and present also like with his ancestors and like the quilting the art of quilting and all of that so yeah uh, there are artists to pay attention to and things that they're saying I think that yeah could help the push of what you're going for too yeah and that's you know right now the waste industry is going through a big change with recycling is you know the normal curbside recycling that everybody's used to um, majority of that was going to uh, China 
that has just been banned. Actually, at the end of 2017, uh, China stopped accepting uh, our recycled material. So recycling <clears throat> your normal practice, right? So when, when I say recycling, sometimes I mean the act of recycling a resource. Sometimes I mean the current you know, United States system. So what I'm talking about here is the current United States system, the current recycling practice in our country of curbside, you know, in, in your home or even business recycling is not very good. We've figured out the hauling, um, but we don't have necessarily the processing of the materials proper and we're not putting the right materials into the waste stream. So if you picture a manufacturer is getting the products or the raw materials that are the easiest to manufacture. And then you're getting the retailers that want the easiest things to stock and to sell and the most eye-catching. Um, and the consumers basically buying whatever's easiest, cheapest, and things like that. Nobody along that line is actually worried about the end of life for the products that they are creating or consuming. Then they, then they give it to the trash man, me, and they say, here, fix this, recycle this. It's like, well, what you gave me isn't recyclable, you know? Yeah. So you have to start at the beginning, really. Yes. And, uh-huh. and so we have a, a really good infrastructure here in this country of, of hauling and manufacturing, um, and some processing, but we're not putting the right materials into the waste stream. So that way, when they get to the end of their, um, product life. Okay. So when a product loses its value for whatever reason, um, I use a water bottle a lot of times or any type of container that you, that you buy, the container has zero value whatsoever. And that's really ridiculous because the container definitely has value. You paid for it. The store you got it from paid for it. The retailer paid for it. The manufacturer paid for that. You know, and the people that harvested the raw resources were paid to harvest those raw resources to make that container. But <clears throat> a plastic bottle, an empty plastic bottle has zero value to the society. And when it's full, it's, you know, depending on whatever's in it, uh, determines the value. But when it's empty, it's completely worthless. And that's a system that we have to correct. And I think that I want to use art as much as possible because it is the most eye-catching um, way to talk about this thing. It's is where we can come in or you can talk about, you know, your trees and, and the lungs and what they do for the forest and, you know, this type of stuff. Um, but artists can help bring attention to the waste stream and show us, um, hey, this is a conversation we need to have. Yes, definitely. And then let's have the conversation and then let's, you know, uh, start making that change that needs to happen. What are some of the ideas that you have? I know, I think you've texted me a couple of things that you have. Yeah. Um, when I asked you about having a space here, cause I was just like, Oh, this is just too kumbaya. <laughs> After talking to you at the, the print bazaar, I was like, I like this guy and what he's doing and the tree stump. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, what am I going to come up with, with waste? I've never actually like, I had worked on one project where I'd use like materials, but I had never really thought about like using waste waste. I'd always like in my mind, but I hadn't really thought about how I could actually 
do something with it. And so I started playing around with some thoughts and um, thought I would like to use the human form and make some sculptures of some figures in uh, certain postures. Like they are in like slumped over or like more depressed looking or guilty looking, shameful kind of positions. And I want to design, I'm mad at myself, you know, it's like yelling at yourself sort of. And then you, we always talk about the single use items and that being like, I think that's everyone's big thing. Probably. It's my biggest thing. And so I was like, oh, well, I need to like save all of these plastic coffee to go tops and cut them up somehow. And I'm going to design like a man suit or something and just attach all of these cut up in some ways all over to make up the pants and the jacket for this suit. And I'm going to put it on that figure that's slumped over. And it's like, I'm going to like have to wear this waist in my fancy suit made of my solo traveler lid coffee cup. And, um, like I bad about chewing too much gum and that's like this package of why gum's horrible. You don't even need to eat gum. Don't eat gum. And, but to make like a dress design or something on these figures in another certain kind of posture and then have a series of them anyway. So they're going to be a, a dress out of just like gum wrappers. And so it's like all these figures wearing their waist in this posture of like, yeah, I'm carrying this around with me. This is really what I look like. That was like, uh, that's the thought that I've got right now that I want to, to get to. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about those with single-use items. Those are such a big problem when they don't have to be. Because everything right. that is a single-use item, there's a better it's, option out there. Yeah, it seems so unnecessary. That's, I think, that's why I get so mad at myself because I'm like, really, it, it's for nothing. It's literally <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. And there's so much involved from the beginning of the creation of this to its demise. Or it's actually probably not demising. It's sticking around for a while, but... Well, and, and that's something that I've talked about before is, you know, like that coffee cup um, was, you know, the, the oil to make that plastic, um, you know, was pulled out of the ground somewhere and refined and shipped. Maybe lives were lost Hundreds. in war over yeah. the oil used yeah. for, I don't know. And how far was the everything shipped? You know, that, that lid could probably represent thousands of miles of travel yeah um and you know exponential amount of money and infrastructure that had to go to just creating that lid and making it available for you to buy and all you actually have to have is just a reusable cup that works perfectly fine or a mug you know and you know that that lid was actually on a truck being shipped to a store longer than it's going to be in your possession same reason I don't buy flowers. The final product was in um, the final product was in transit longer than it was going to be in use, and and I think that you know nothing should ever be like that. Yeah, it's 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 insanity. And I'm okay with single use items, but yeah. if they're going to be single use, let's make it out oh. of material that's 100 percent recyclable and that's good to recycle. So that's what a lot of plastics, even though plastic is very recyclable, 
the process a lot of times to recycle it or what you can make out of it is either bad for the environment or it can never actually be recycled. It ends up being decycled. So the quality of the plastic decreases every time you use it. And then the final product ends up being in the landfill anyway. Here's my question. I have a question. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why in the world, if we know these things, and it's so obvious, why do they keep making plastic? Like, why do we... Because you keep buying it. But I mean, if even if they know those things, and they know that they're contributing to a massive problem, and they're the answer. The biggest companies are publicly owned. They're not like human or something? Well, it's all politicians and money and like stocks and things. I think that the biggest problem that you have is in, in, you know, I've talked to a few investment bankers and, you know, the biggest people in the waste industry and talked to them, you know, what are you guys looking for? How are you trying to grow your business and develop it? And the way I've had it explained to me, they care about profit and they have three months. Every three months, they basically, their slate gets cleaned. And then they have to make a profit in three more months. They give out the dividend to their shareholders. So you, so when you understand what's happening with like the stock market and how that controls how much business is, the more profitable a company is, the higher the value of the stock is. Then the more money that they have to work with. So what you end up having is anybody and everybody can own a percentage of a company that does something. So if you own stock in you know, one of the big trash haulers, right? Waste management, for example, they're the world's largest. Um, So if you own stock in waste management, you want to return. Now you're an investor. You're not a environmentalist. You're not a scientist. You're not uh, even a politician. I made an investment. I want my money back plus some. Um, So I want you to do whatever that can do to give me that. And then they have a board that their job is to get an investment for the shareholders or get a return for the shareholders. So at that point, nobody's actually worried about how they're getting the profit. And that goes for most of the large companies in this world and and especially in this country that they're so quick. the, The people that own it are shareholders and don't even work at the company. And they're not actually affected by the industry. They simply just want a better option of investing their money somewhere. And so then the board is is trying to get money for their company and make sure that they can keep their company sustainable. And the only way you can do that is by making the shareholders happy. When the shareholders don't care about anything else other than making a profit, so now the board only cares about making a profit, and it goes down from there. Um it all starts with the consumer, you know, public, um, public interest can change what we do. And as soon as consumers want products that are sustainable, um, then companies will switch because that's what makes more profit. And as soon as the companies that make the most amount of profit are sustainable companies, the shareholders will buy shares to those companies and those companies only. And so every other company will either die or adjust and become sustainable because that's where the trend is. So even though we are so focused on on money and, and have a, such a capitalist uh, society, that's fine. The free market's there, but it might take it a minute to adjust um, to what needs to happen. But if it does adjust, then it will, and everything else follows. So that's 
the long reason as to why plastic is still in existence when it uh, <laughs> shouldn't be necessarily is because there's not there's nobody investing money in an alternative. And so weird. It really doesn't make any sense. Take um, hemp. Hemp. Plastic. I was just getting ready to say that. I was like, why are we not just like okay, let's just make everything from hemp. Hemp plastic is fully recyclable. Um, and it, it's better than recycling. Uh, it's composting. So composting is nature's way of recycling. Uh, you can take a hemp plastic bottle and throw it in the dirt. The UV from the sun and the bacteria in the dirt will start breaking that bottle down within 60 days. Within 120 days, that bottle's completely gone. It's dirt again. So you, you're taking a regular plastic bottle, and it lasts for thousands and thousands of years, in the same situation, or you can take a hemp bottle, and in 120 days, it's completely gone. Hmm, what's so hard to figure out about that? <laughs> right. Well, there's, I don't know, money. Probably going to talk about money again, about how that's right. Well, hemp is still illegal there. to manufacture and to you know um, grow in most of the United States. So they they we legally can't even grow this wonderful alternative um, to you know, drilling oil somewhere and pulling it up and doing that whole process. So we got to start putting the, the proper things into the waste stream, creating the fully recycled, recyclable process for those products, figuring out which ones can be recycled, which ones shouldn't even be manufactured in the first place, and just be honest with ourselves, uh, you know, about that process. And then creating a, a closed loop system of resource consumption. Yeah, you're the man to do it. <laughs> We're starting. We are making some steps. Um, you know, like with the hub, that was one, our free store where we're able to take these items in and go and turn them right back out. We need more behavioral change right now, and we need more attention to this problem because the answers are going to come. Um, the processes are going to come. It just, it's a lot of money. Um, it's, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, that need to be invested into this industry to, you know, revamp it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, a lot of people paying attention yeah, or just being aware, like you said, just like, look, it, it needs to be, um, and, and it will happen and it's already happening all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. we have a lot of famous people in this country that are beginning to invest in these types of things. Um, Richard Branson is trying to do a lot of sustainable material uh, and make them things out of that. Uh, Elon Musk has started a material company in Southern California uh, with some of the people that were at Tesla. Um, you know, and then and then there's Leonardo DiCaprio. He has a foundation that's invested in the waste industry and resource consumption. Um, and actually, they're doing uh, the CEO of that company is doing a uh, speech next next month in California. And what he's talking about is that the economical opportunities in this industry right now is the greatest monetary investment we could ever make in the history of humans. So what he's talking about is that this industry has so much room for growth and change. It is literally the best thing to ever invest your money in, in the history of mankind. Hmm. Uh, And so those those uh, conversations are starting to happen this year. Um, there's some new food waste bills, uh, some infrastructure bills that are being introduced to Congress that they're looking at putting the waste industry uh, more in and calling the waste industry more of an infrastructure, value it just as much as our highways. Um, 
and looking at uh, proper resource consumption. So those things are already being done at a national level. The attention is starting to come. Um, but I think that on the local level and individual households, you know, we need to start uh, talking about things there. And I love what you're doing with your art. So we're all on the same team, I think. Yeah. Just come at it from different angles. But it's great. Like when I met when I met you, it was just like, wow, I gotta get inside there. I don't know. I just gotta <laughs> be there. I don't know why, but I just wanna be there <laughs> for what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited for you to start doing some projects here locally and being able to see that and we can pull things, you know, from you know, our route guys, you know, I sometimes say, Hey guys, this is what we're after. Um, and then they bring it in, you know, a couple of days later. So we can start asking them to collect different little things or whatever you need. Uh, with the hub, we have access to, you know, the donations and things like that, that come in there. We'll start collecting the stuff and making some things out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think myself about like how I'm going to, you know, what materials am I going to use to make those figures that I want to use? Cause I probably use wire at some point. But I can use other things. Like, I don't know what what's there. Anything's there. You say anything. Give me a list. Okay. Like, today so, we actually got... Today we got about 10 yards of brick. Of brick fascia. So, it's like, this is a perfectly good thing to make or build or sculpt out of or whatever. And they're paying us to haul it off. You know, and they need it gone, you know, from their location. They're redoing a house, uh, deconstruction. Um <clears throat> And it's just like, man, I hate to see this perfectly good brick go to the landfill. And that's where it's headed where because we don't have another spot to take it to yeah, um, where we could, you know, make something else out of it or even just stack the brick back up and then sell, you know, use brick. Um, you know, and, and that's part of the infrastructure that we need. Um, and I've talked about it. It's what's called a harvest center. I want to make a harvest center where the trucks come in and all the waste is brought in. And then we re-harvest the resources and the value back out of those materials but that's a that's going to be a few million dollars you know it's a few million dollar investment to be able to get that done and that's just going to take care of local level you know that's that's not anything that big it's sad that the things that really need to get done is going to cost that much money but it's like but they're pretty much there's like no other option we have to do these things exactly coming it's coming it's going to come yeah well, and that's what, you know, right now to landfill product is relatively cheap. You know, it's our number one expense, but comparatively it's, it's, it's still cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's why trash service is $20 a month, but the trucks are $150,000. You know, it's just like, you know, that's, that's it, crazy math on how to do it, but it's because the landfill prices are so cheap. Um, but those prices are going to go through the roof in the next 20 years as we dwindle down. And now our landfill space won't be going, you know, right now it goes about an hour and a half outside of Farmington before it's actually landfilled. Uh, our trucks haul it and then another truck hauls it and then it gets landfilled. So there's three companies involved. There's three sets of overhead. Um, and there's, you know, two different trucks that end up having to touch it. And that's going to increase uh, as time goes on. And now these things are going to have to be trucked a thousand miles, uh, you know, or even further to go get landfilled. There's already some states in this country that do not have any more landfill space and they have to be trucked out of state completely, uh, to be hauled somewhere. New York is one of them. Uh, and a few other places like that, there's literally just no more space in that state to put their waste. So they have to take it to another state 
and then that state's going to fill up, and then both of those states are going to have to go somewhere else. I think it's really great that you're putting this out for people to hear, to be aware, to like put it out in front of them, to to even be knowing of it, because I think that, you know, how much, how often is it something that doesn't even cross your mind because you've never had to have it cross your mind because you just do your life, your day or whatever. And what is your waste? You haven't had to deal with. It's been taken care of our whole existence. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's just how much just like bringing awareness, like just doing this podcast and talking about it, how much is probably actually like affecting people and just making more mindful decisions all the time. Great. I think the more that we so talk great. about it and the more artwork that we can display and, and have you explain, um, I think the more interest that we'll get into these areas um, on a local level and we'll be able to start providing more and more solutions. So I'm really excited to you know work with you this year and take a look at some of the stuff that you're able to produce. Yeah, I'm new at this too. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what happens and comes because I'm always just like, I hope my ideas don't stop happening. Like that's scary. It's like mine don't fail me now because <laughs> I really need you to like make something good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Been really looking forward to think like getting things going here and getting that room finished. There's, I want to add some more things to it. Maybe like, maybe you have an art show here. You know, we can uh, definitely put some stuff down in the hub area on display and, and have some more, you know, conversations with, with these things. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to working on some projects and getting some more public attention to, you know, this problem that we have and, you know, to showing off some of your artwork. Maybe put something in the library with a write up, like have something, maybe like it be a display in the library and have something written up from you or whatever mm-hmm. about the thing. And I think it's all kinds perfect. of things like that that could be done. I don't, think you're gonna, time and- I don't think you're going to run out of ideas anytime soon. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It was really great. All right, Appreciate we'll be looking it. forward to more artwork from you. Thank you. Cheerio. <laughs>